Welcome to the podcast where we keep it real, talking all things women on the Iconic Women Show with your host, Michelle Watson, author, founder, public speaker, and certified performance coach. Get empowered and inspired while learning about overcoming adversity, spirituality, life, and business strategies that will help you achieve your goals. And now, here's your host, Michelle Watson. And welcome once again to the Iconic Women podcast. And I do hope that you were able to tune in to the previous podcast. So that was the first episode, actually, where I was speaking about the three W's, the what, what is the Iconic Women podcast? Who, who am I? And also why? Why is this podcast important and essential for you to tune into? And as you can see, today's topic is really out there. I know you must be looking at it and thinking, what is she talking about? It's going to be very deep, guys. Like the title is, she almost killed that girl. I know you're wondering who she is and who that girl is. So let us start by going straight into it. And I'm going to be just starting by just reading a little something, something to you so you can really spice up this time. And also, just to let you know, if you didn't already pick up, there's there's an accent going on with me. Yes, there's a little Jamaican accent going on with me. Um, And I know you may be inquisitive or have a little question mark. I was wondering, hmm, what's, what's, what's that accent all about? Where's that accent from? Well, as the episodes go on, you will I guess you will learn a lot more about me for those of you that don't already know me, right? So yes, just just keep staying tuned to the Iconic Women podcast and you you will you will be fully informed. As she sits at her glass desk in the tiny but very comfy, eye-catching, turquoise blue and white office, located in her back garden, she gazes out the large window in front of her which gives a full view to the rear of her house. There is the refreshing smell of greenery as the sun streams in, and she starts to reflect on her journey. How did I get here? The success despite the many hurdles running through her mind like pop-up images on a big cinema screen. It had not been an easy ride that took her to this moment. The trophies, pictures, her books, and those of clients sitting on the shelves in the unit behind her, gives a brief glimpse into what she has been able to accomplish. A deep feeling of gratitude as a tear began to roll down her right cheek. Looking at the house in front of her, remembering the day a bailiff stood outside the door of the previous house where she once lived, trying to get in to take away the few possessions both her and the two beautiful children she had at the time had left. How did I get from there to this? The question kept coming back to her in such a profound way. The only answer she could come up with was God, hard work and belief. I guess if you were there in earshot as she asked this question aloud, I'm sure that you would have had a few questions of your own to ask. Like, for instance, where is there? Where is it there that she's talking about? Where was she coming from? And what were some of the things she went through? You see, if you haven't already guessed it, this woman I was just reading about is me. 
or should I say, at that moment, was me. You see, I believe that if you are going to be tuning into this podcast and listening to me, that you at least need to know a bit about me and why I'm passionate about the topic that I and the guests that will be coming on this podcast show will be sharing about. So I want to just share a little bit of a background with you, some of my background, some of my story with you. You see, I was born in the UK. I left the UK at the age of three to go and live in Jamaica with my maternal parents. Sorry, with my maternal grandparents. (laughs) And it was an amazing experience. It has its ups and its downs. But when I look back now, I believe that it was preparation for where God was taking me. Some parts of our journey that we don't really understand. And sometimes when we we look back, we're able to pinpoint and connect the dots. But when you're in it at that particular moment, you can't really see the wood from the trees. You're in a maze and you're thinking, like, how did I get here? Like, what brought me to this point? And I remember whilst growing up in Jamaica, as I said, I had it had its highs and it had its lows. And I had moments when I felt like I was. Not not an outcast because my 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 family was in England. They they re- raised the bar over and over again to make sure that I felt involved. That even though I was a child that lived far away, out of all all the children that was in the family, I didn't feel like I was being left out. And I'm just super grateful for them for that. So, my aunties, if you're tuning in, just know that I'm grateful. But it didn't stop me feeling alone. My grandparents, they were, they were awesome. Like my, my nan was very strict, but I'm grateful for her because when I look at my life now, I can see how so much of what she did back then that I didn't understand has helped me to now be the woman that I am today. Like she was so resilient and so strong. And I believe that the resilience that I have now, like just seeing her, navigate through challenges after challenges, I think it did something to me naturally. <laughs> I really think that it, it it planted something in me. And my grandfather was more the relaxed one. He was, he was, he was, he was one of those people that found a joke in everything. And he loved to be around the young people and he just loved giving jokes and making people laugh. May their soul rest in peace. I, I I absolutely love them both and I miss them every single day. So as I mentioned before, like being in Jamaica, it was phenomenal because, you know, you got to play outside, you got to enjoy a lot of things. But for a long period of time, I was bullied because, as you know, mosquitoes, anybody that hasn't gone to Jamaica, make sure you're bringing your mosquito repellent. It's very weird because they affect some people and, and, and other people, they go and they come back as if, they never even entered Jamaica. But for me, I was allergic to mosquito bites. I was seriously allergic to mosquito bites and my legs would would swell up in boils. And I remember going to school and some students not even wanting to sit beside me because my leg, the, 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 the bumps would be running and like, I'm, I don't want to get too cryptic, but I just wanted to give you an understanding that I felt. So apart from feeling alone because I wasn't, with all the rest of the family. I now also felt alone because of all of these things that was happening to me. And so even though I was enjoying the freedom and the the beauty of Jamaica, I was also having this loneliness going on inside of me. 
And I remember, like, even as I got older, I always loved reading. Like, anybody that knew me back then, they could tell you that whenever you saw Michelle, you saw her with a book, right? And I really loved reading. And when I wasn't reading, I was writing. So you you would you would catch me doing either of the two. And I remember I used to sit down as a child and I used to write letters to to my dad that I didn't have any communication with at the time. Letters that would have not gotten posted, but I just felt like I needed to write them to just share what was going on in my heart. And I remember just writing stuff. My my nan was strict, guys. Like, you know, those strict mamas, right? My nan was strict. And so she wasn't somebody that I would have really gone up to and just share with her what's going on with me and how I'm feeling. Like, no, that's just not happening. And so I, I, I went through a lot of that, experienced bullying, um, experienced loneliness, and just, just so many other things that, that, that came with growing up in Jamaica. But again, as I mentioned before, I believe it shaped me for what was coming next. I believe it, it shaped me and it helped to mold me for the next stages of my life. And I came back to the UK when I was 19, right? I came back when I was 19. And it was very weird because now I was amongst the family that I so much longed for, but I still felt alone. I I didn't, I couldn't grasp that I was now amongst people and if I needed anything or if I was in trouble or or anything at all that I could now run to them because I got so used to being alone. I felt like it was normal. It was normal that if I was going through difficulty for me to just speak to myself about it or just write about it, right? And there, become, there, there came a point where I ended up in a relationship and this person, I call call him Jekyll and Hyde because there was two sides to this individual. There were two sides to this individual. There was the side that made you feel like you were the only woman on this earth, completely precious, right? And that, that is obviously what, what, what drew me close to this person. And even against the best wishes of my, my, my family, I got married to him. And things started changing, but not rapidly. There was, people always say to me, did you see any signs or did you see anything happening? And sometimes I think about it, I'm like, no. But then when I really go deep, sometimes I'm like, yeah, I saw a little bit of this and I saw a little bit of that. But it wasn't nothing that really brought about an exclamation mark for me, right? So along the process of this relationship, I started getting verbal abuse. So that's where it started first. I started getting verbal abuse. And it used to get very deep. Like the things that he would say to me, it was like he had a way of getting under my skin, like getting in my brain mentally to the point where I believe I was starting to believe what he was saying about me, you know, like Nobody wants to be around me. Nobody would want to be with me. You know, I'm lucky to have him. And slowly, I was being also deprived of my family, so I couldn't really go around them unless he was there. I never ever said anything to my family. I then got pregnant with my my, my son, and (laughs) things went downhill even more because it went from the verbal abuse to then the physical abuse. I have been kicked, I've been punched, I've been boxed, I've had 
food thrown on me. There's just so many things that's happened, sometimes even in the public, public places. I've gone to the shop and maybe I want to pick something up and he's saying, no, you don't need it. And I'm given an explanation as to why. And I never forget one day I had picked something up and put it in the basket and he didn't see that I did. And we got to the cashier right there in front of the teller. Like he lined out some expletives against me. I felt so ashamed and so embarrassed. I felt so small like people. I felt so small. And it just constantly got worse. And I ended up being in a place where now I can realize that I was going through it. I, I was at work and I would ask for every extra time given just to not go home. Even though I wanted to be with the kids, I just, I just, just preferred as, uh, to, to stay away for as long as I possibly could. And I know that some of the things that I may be sharing may be triggering for some of you right now. It may be triggering for some of you right now because huh, unfortunately, you may be going through this right now. And I want you to know that you're no less of an individual because I've realized that going through abuse of any kind, it, it, it does something to you. It plays on your mind and it makes you think that something is wrong with you and you are the one at fault. And I want to share to you now that no, you're not. Don't blame yourself. You know, I played the blame game for so long. I couldn't, I found it so difficult to forgive myself. And, and you know, I will be talking about this in, in another episode sometime soon. But I found it very hard to forgive myself because I always thought to myself that I did something wrong. And I always decided to stay because I'm like, yeah, he's going to change. You know, the, the typical, he, he's going to change. He's not going to do it again. He apologized. So it's going to be all right. There's something about me that will be able to change him. You know, that nurturing side of us women that feel that we can fix men. <laughs> we can fix men. We're not here to fix men. You're not here to fix your partner, right? And so I went through that phase of believing I can fix it. It's going to change. The day is going to come when he's no longer going to hit me. Unfortunately, that didn't happen. And there was like constant fights in front of the children. It was just, guys, it was insane. It was an insane moment. I have to be very real with you. It was an insane moment. There were so many times where he just wanted to inflict pain. So many times when he wanted to inflict pain. And I'm talking about deep things to the point of, even I used to get very menstrual cycles, very bad, very, very bad headaches, the cramps. Like for those of you that are out there, my sisters, those of you that know what that feels like. Hmm, oh God. And as I said, guys, I'm going to be very real and raw. I told you from the very first episode that there's no hiding of anything here. You know, it's being very open because I believe that's the only way that I can help by being open, not, not, not painting the picture for it to look good. And <laughs> There was time when he wanted to inflict pain to the point where he knew, he knew that whilst I'm on my menstrual cycle, I would go through some serious cramps and pains. And at times that would be the moment that he would choose to have sexual intercourse with me. Guys, I'm talking about real things. I'm not talking about movie. <laughs> I'm not talking about something that has been watched in the cinema. I'm talking about my life here. So I don't have to express how low I went, how my self-esteem went to rock bottom 
to the point where I did not identify myself anymore. And I will be sharing about identity at some point as well. There's a lot that we have to talk about on this podcast. I lost my my identity. I forgot who I was. Deputy head girl at high school. Speak on your debates team. All of these great things. I was always doing something exceptional out there. And here I am now becoming someone else's beating post. And I used to sit at times and wonder, like, how did that happen? Like, what? where was the shift? Where did that shift happen? And whilst I was going through this, I was also parenting a child that had special needs because my son was diagnosed with special needs. And it was an absolute nightmare. From the age of two, I could recognize that there was just something different in regards to my son. And I used to put it down to what was happening in the household and possibly doubt that was a part of it because he used to go into some serious rages and tantrums. And I remember just going through phases where I was scared to go to the school. And I'm, I'm talking about nursery here, guys, like going to the nursery because there was always a complaint. And I used to be so ashamed because teachers would be looking at me. Teachers would be looking at me. And I was dealing with that, plus dealing with what he was doing. There were debts, there were letters coming through the the, the letter, but it, it got bad. And I remember one night, it came to a point where there was a big bust up and I finally fought back. Like I fought back with every strength in me. And for the whole night, I had to stay locked up in the bathroom. And I remember just sitting on the bathroom floor. Well, I went from the sitting on the toilet to sitting on the bathroom floor, just taking turns of where I was sitting. And I remember sitting in there that night and it was maybe about two, three o'clock in the morning. And I'm saying to myself, like, Michelle, how did you get here? Like, Michelle, is this like, is this really you? You brought yourself to a place where you're feeling so ashamed that you can't even tell your family what is happening. I sat there and I spoke to Michelle for the first time in a long time. I spoke to Michelle. They say the best conversation that you can have is the one that you have with yourself. Well, I spoke to Michelle. Like I asked her some deep, deep questions that I believe that she was staying away from. And I was really saying to myself, like, how did you get here? Like, is this really who you are? And is this really what you're going to accept for the rest of your life. Yes, you know, you want to stay because of the sake of your children, but where are you in the picture? How do you fit in? Because at the minute, they don't have a mother. They don't have a mother. Because guys, I was not there. I was there in the physical, but boy, I was not there. You know, when you're watching them movies, when the spirit leaves the body, I was not there. It was just my shell walking around. And this this particular day, I had chosen to go out with my friends without him knowing. And by this time, I had a lump that was growing behind the my left ear. And they said it was a tumor. It wasn't massive at the time. And they were going to operate on it and remove it. So the lump was there behind my left ear. And on this particular day, he punched me on that lump and my face, my whole face 
the whole left side of my face was swollen. And it really woke me up. Like I was woken up. And I t- had to tell myself, it's, it's going to either be me or him. But I would prefer to know that my children would later on be able to call on a mom that would be alive than one that would, that would be dead at the hands of this man. And so I was able to walk away and it wasn't easy because I was stopped for a whole year. Like I would drive my car to my friend's house and I would come outside and all the tires would be punctured. I would wake up at different times and see him standing over me. I've tried to exit my house and it was locked from the outside and I had to climb through the window. I had my purse stolen. I remember going to the shop one day and coming back and my purse, my passport was gone. I remember going to work and coming back and the whole of my wardrobe was emptied. And the police would say, you know what, there's not much they can do. I have no proof that it was him. His fingerprints were already in the house because he lived there and he had lived there before. And guys, it broke me. Like, I'm not going to, I'm listen, I'm here to keep it real. Like, guys, it broke me. Like, I, your girl was broken. Your girl was broken. And I remember after this, just bringing the kids to school, coming back home. I had lost my job as well. (laughs) Whatever you can think of to go wrong, went wrong. The debts were there to be paid. I had letters coming through the door from debtors. I had bailiffs banging on the door. And it it was a bad time. It really was a bad time. And so I used to just drop the kids to school, go home, cover my head under the, under the sheets, literally until it was school time to go and pick them up. And until it got to a day, it got to a day that darkness just seemed to surround me. Darkness just seemed to overshadow my thoughts and overshadow everything about me. And on that day, I attempted suicide. Hmm. On that day, I almost killed that girl. I almost killed Michelle. The very same one that is sitting here speaking to you on the Iconic Women podcast. You see, when you're in the midst of those darknesses and you don't see a light at the end of the tunnel and it just seems like everything is going wrong, you get to a point where you feel like, I'm better off not being here. And I know for a lot listening, they may be saying, you were so selfish, you're going to leave your children. But what you have to understand is at this point, I'm no longer thinking that I'm even worth anything to my children. I'm thinking that they will live a better life without me being here. (laughs) There was no thought about the pain that they would have growing up to be raised by a different woman. There was no thought of, there was no thought there about who would help my daughter get ready for the prom or my son get ready for his prom. There was, there was no thought about that. The only thought that I had was that I was not good enough to be here. And that was such a big lie. Such a big lie. And and it's just because when we're going through those, the maze and the wilderness moments and the challenges, 
It's almost like the enemy finds a way to shut us off from any form of possibilities, any form of hope. But I want to tell you, if this relates to you in any way, or you can relate to just feeling like you want to give up and you want to take your life, like let me just share with you that that's just a lie from the pit of hell. It's a lie that the enemy wants to tell you, right? For you to give up on possibly a future that God has mapped out. It's not even possibly to give up on a future that has been mapped out so beautifully by God for you. But because of where you are right now, you can't see it. But don't allow it to have the final say. At that moment, I could never, ever believe that I could be this very same person sitting here right now bringing this podcast to you. I could never have believed that I would end up being somebody that has achieved so much now since all of that. You see, for a long time, I was lost. I was unsure of where my life was headed and the purpose of me being here on this earth. And for some of you listening, this may be where you are right now. I don't know. Maybe you have had moments like me when, you know, you wish that your life was actually a physical book where you could go back and rip out the pages of the things in the past, the things that you did not like or was not happy about, the mistakes that you made. Maybe that X or that costly error. Maybe if I could just rip those pages out. The unfortunate truth is that's not possible. That's not possible. You see, we were all born a blank book. And every every day that we live, everything that we do is making an inscription in that blank book. And no, you, you can't go back and rip out the pages of yesterday. But one thing that I realized at a point, I realized that, yes, I may not be able to rip out the pages of my yesterday, but guess what? I have the ability because I'm alive. So because I'm alive, I have the ability, I have the God-given ability to make a difference for my future. I have an ability to decide what's going to be written in the next chapters of, of, my, of my book called Life. And, you know, after coming back from all of that, by the grace of God, by God's grace, being able to come back from that, went through counseling, giving my life to God. And just really allowing him to lead me and getting to the point for me to see that I am valuable. I am a gem in the eyes of the Lord. And you are a gem, whoever you are, wherever you are. You are a gem in the eyes of the Lord. No matter what anyone tells you, you are beautifully and wonderfully made. And after coming back from all of this, I wrote my first book overcome and rise above, how to turn the downside of your challenges into the upside of renewing your life. And in there, I shared about the abuse and I shared about my son because he was diagnosed with special needs. And I found myself speaking in schools and encouraging parents. It was just the weirdest thing. It was almost like I needed to take one step and then God was just going to navigate everything else. But I just needed to take that one step. I just needed to, to give myself just one chance. And maybe that's what it is. Maybe, yes, you're, you're, in, you're in a rut right now, but maybe you just need to give yourself one more chance. 
and take another step. Yes, you, 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 you've, you've constantly been trying and doing, but give yourself one more chance. I wrote the book and, you know, I was able to get a, a letter of commendation from Her Majesty the Queen. I started speaking and, and, and by me speaking, it was encouraging people. I remember at my book launch was the first time that I openly shared about my story. And I, because I used to feel so ashamed of it. I used to feel so ashamed of it. But the, that, that very night, having someone approach me and said, oh my God, you have inspired me. Going to events and speaking and having having people reveal deep, dark secrets that they've never revealed to anyone. Some that have been abused by their fathers that even up till this day, they didn't tell their mothers, but they they, they felt like they were able to tell me because of the story that I shared. That was an eye-opening moment for me because I now realized that, hold on, this story that I was ashamed of sharing is actually helping someone. And I, I thought to myself, boy, the devil was keeping me silent for so long. And what I was keeping silent on, people needed to hear it, to be encouraged. And you may be holding some deep, dark secrets and some, some, some things and stories that you believe that you're going to be ashamed to reveal or it's going to bring shame to you or you're, you're wondering how people are going to look at you and perceive you when you're not even realizing and knowing that your story is actually for somebody else's moment. You carried the story, but it's actually not yours. It's for someone else. I came to the realization that my story was not for me. It was for other people. And so I began to share some more. And I started getting invited to different events. And, you know, I, I wrote my second book. And this time I wrote it on my own and edited and, and designed it and just did the full works. And I did this whilst I was working as a train driver. And I thought to myself, you know what? I, I'm sure that I'm not the only individual that has a story. I'm sure that I'm not the only individual that has a story and wants it to go out there to the world, but they just don't know how. And so I started helping people to write books and write, write their story and give tips on how they were able to come out of that situation, whatever it may have been, and just being a voice for the people that fell within that, that, that scope. And my life, my life began to evolve in a way that I never would have dreamt of. I was traveling and going to different countries and speaking. I was being invited on stages that <laughs> I thought I would only see on TV. Like I'm being real. I was advising and mentoring people that were millionaires. And, and I'm like, God, what, what am I doing here? Like how does somebody that goes from being in an abusive relationship, parenting a child with special needs, attempted suicide, go from all of that to doing what it is that you have me doing now? I was delivering exhortation in churches and and words of encouragement, like and I was I it was it still baffles me. It's amazing what God can do with what we believe is finished. It is amazing. Me, Michelle, now going out there and doing women events, empowerment events, sharing knowledge and experiences that I didn't even realize I had. 
some I had from school, some it was almost like I had put it in the bin when I entered into that into, entered into that relationship. I was now out here creating my business, helping people to create theirs and having multiple streams of income. I created a program that helped business owners and entrepreneurs that wrote their books and used it as a marketing tool. Just the way I did it myself, I was becoming, I became mentor of the year, won multiple speakers awards and became performance coach of the year. So many different things. And I'm just sharing this with you guys, not to boast, but just sharing with you that I almost killed that girl. This very girl that was doing all of these things, I almost killed her. I almost killed her. My daughter at the age of, of six wrote a book about affirmations for children. And I'm thinking, you know, and she says to me, mom, I wanted to do this because I want to be like you. And I'm like, what? Do you know how, do you know how fulfilling it is for me right now to see that I'm living my purpose and I'm leaving a mark here on this earth? I'm leaving a mark here on this earth. The mark that I nearly left was suicide. The mark that I nearly left was possibly something that could have, you know, marked my children for life. It's just amazing. Because at the beginning of this story, I was just reading about the fact of when I was sitting in my office and all the memories came flooding through. I never, ever dreamt I would have been able to pull myself from that dark place that I once was. Never did I believe that. And there is still so much that I, I still have not shared with you. <laughs> because if I did, this, 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 this episode would never end. <laughs> but the truth really is that your story, your story never really ends until you've left this earth. And even when you've left this earth, if you've left the legacy behind, your story continues. In some way, it does. Maybe through your children, your grandchildren, or whatever it is that you do here on this earth. Maybe it's through the, the individual that you help to turn their life around. If a legacy is left for others to follow on from, that has always been one of my greatest desires. Then that's the best life. You know, when people say they want to live their, live their best life, I always say everybody's best life is different. My best life is leaving a legacy behind. But I want to take this time as I'm wrapping up to just really remind you of a few things. Despite the fact that I'm no longer where I used to be, it does not mean that challenges no longer come. As I sit here, there's still so much, as I mentioned, that I can share with you. And I will be sharing with you as we carry on this journey with, this, with, with the Iconic Woman podcast. There's so many hurdles to jump. I've had to jump them. And I'm still jumping. You see, there are many that tend to paint the picture that their life is all perfume and roses. And I mentioned that before. The social media life. The perfect social media life. When behind there is a different story, because they want to they want to remain professional or be seen as flawless in the public eye. 
So they make it seem like their life is smooth sailing and that they they have everything under control. I don't I do not believe in this. And I and I did share this in in episode one. I don't believe in this. I believe strongly in being authentic and allowing your vulnerability to be seen. It doesn't mean that you're weak. I'm not saying to go out sympathy seeking, but be real and open. This is what others learn from. I've always said I would I would never want a mentor who is telling me what they have never faced. Yeah? I, I don't. Talking to me about something you've never faced or, or even if you've never faced it, that you've never ever had some sort of challenge or experience in your life, then what, what, what help are you going to be to me? Please, my question is, how, how will they then assist me during my difficult moments? They've never had one in their life. I don't believe there's anybody that exists on this earth that has never had a difficult moment in their life. We all in life have difficult moments to go through. It just may differ from each other. And therefore, we all have a story to tell. And you may be saying, but Michelle, I have never gone through domestic abuse or attempted this suicide. This does, this does not mean that your story is any less or not worth sharing. Somebody may be able to relate with me based on my story, but somebody else is able to relate with you instead of me with your story because you are you have gone through what they have gone through and I haven't. You see, on this journey, I've learned some valuable lessons on in life. And I'm just going to close by sharing them with you. You see, success does not define you, but instead you define success. The awesome Hazel Breen once said that quote. You see, you are the one that has the ability to determine your own success. Your, your success does not build you as the individual, but instead you are and become, sorry, you are that success. You become that success by what you're creating. You should also never allow others to define uh, and measure your success because, you know, that's, that's where all the comparison and all of that comes from. And sometimes that's where you may be feeling like you're not good enough because you're trying to compare and live up to the standards of, of, of someone else. You see, I believe that until you start going through challenges, you will never, ever truly know your strengths. You will never be able to truly recognize who you are until you face the test. Creating your own definition of being successful is what should guide and direct your choices. Everyone's idea of what success is tends to differ. So therefore, having your success gauged by someone else will not help you move forward. You may not be where you desire to be as yet, but that does not mean it will not happen or be possible. Keep your goals in sight. Believe in yourself and don't settle for less than you deserve. I did that for a long time, settling for second best because I didn't believe I was worth more than that. Because I believed that I needed to be in a, a great position in order to get to where my, my, my goals are or, or to achieve what I always wanted to achieve. And as far as I was concerned, I was in the gutter. I was in the rut. But Zig Ziglar said this, this great quote. And he says, you don't have to be great in order to start. But you do need to take a step in order to achieve your greatness. You see, there's not one great person that started off that way. 
they had to persevere and overcome many difficulties on their journey. We all must begin at the starting point. So therefore, stop telling yourself that you're not good enough. Stop telling yourself that. Just take one step at a time and equip yourself with the resources you need as you go along, with the right people. If you compare yourself to others, you will get discouraged. There's no doubt about it. So therefore, run your own race. Run your own race. Don't disqualify yourself before you've even started by running in someone else's lane. Don't. Remember, the race is not for the swift. So don't look at those that started with you and have gone further. The race is for the one that endures to the end. You see, you might not be able to go back and rip out the pages, as I mentioned earlier. But you do have the power to determine what will be written in the next chapter of your book called Life. I believe that in life, we all have a destiny and a purpose. The route to get to that destination is filled with many lessons. Many lessons. And I believe these lessons, you know, is what will prepare you for when you arrive to that place. So I want you to stop right now and think about the people that your story could help. Take yourself away from shame. I had to do that. It wasn't easy. I had to take myself away from shame. I had to forgive myself because I felt like I couldn't trust myself for making the right choices anymore. And I lived with it for a long time. The shame of allowing myself to to be in an abusive relationship. Hey, it's a part of life. And when I say it's a part of life, don't get me wrong. And because somebody may say it's not a part of life. When I'm saying it's a part of life, I mean the challenges are a part of life. It's just that they're different. That was my challenge. That was my road path to go down. God knows the reason why. And now when I look at my experience and I look at the women that I've helped, that I've motivated, that I've inspired, I now know that I needed to go through that road to be relatable. I needed to go through that road. It's not a nice road, but I needed to go through it. So stop putting yourself down. It may not be abuse. It may not be domestic violence. But there may be certain things that keep coming to the forefront of your mind. That is making you think that you are lesser than. It is time to start believing and living you. Not the you that you want people to see. But the you that smiles. The you that feels satisfied, fulfilled and happy about what you are doing. It is time to share you with the world. You have gone through the dark moments. It is now time to be the light, to help those coming behind you, as I mentioned, with the image of the lanterns. For a long time, I was the one that was in the darkness until I realized I had enough of me that I could share with the world. There was enough about me. Even though I was told I was nothing, there was enough about me to share with the world to make a difference. There was enough for me to leave a lantern for those coming behind me so that they can see the light. 
so that even when they fall, they can get up and begin to walk again. A famous quote that I once wrote is a story not shared, is a message not heard, and a life not saved. No matter how small it is, you have enough within you that can be of help to someone else. There is a life that is attached to you. There's a life that is waiting on you. And so if you do like me and you end up killing that girl, well, I didn't end up killing me, but I attempted. As I said, I almost killed that girl. What if the next time you try, it's not almost? What if the next time you try, you're successful? You've just robbed yourself and robbed the world of you. You may be saying, what is there special about me? The fact that you're here on this earth, there was something special about you. There is something special about you. But if ever the thought should come, I want you to remember Michelle Watson. She almost killed that girl. She almost killed that girl. But she was able to live, to truly live, and to give to the world the gift that God deposited in her. And I want to encourage you to do the same. Give yourself a chance to live. Don't quit. Don't quit. Don't quit. As Stephen King said, you can, you should, and if you're brave enough to start, you will. Well, guys, that is a bit of my story, and I hope it did speak to you and encouraged you. Thank you so much for being on this journey with me. I truly appreciate you, and I appreciate your time tuning in and listening. Once again, if you didn't get a chance to listen to the first episode, do take the time to go and listen so that you can get the real context and the real idea of what the Iconic Women podcast is about. Thank you so much. And as I always say, bless you. Bye. Thank you for tuning in and we hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Iconic Women Show. We look forward to having you again. So don't forget to subscribe and do the three R's. Leave your ratings, reviews, and recommend to your family and friends.